that look familiar to any of you? <laughs> yeah, it, it does look kind of familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, parents, have you ever said this to your kids? Thou shalt clean your room. Well, maybe not in the you know, 17th century Elizabethan dialect, um, but updated words to that effect. You know, we've all said it to our kids when we were raising them, if they're already raised, or if you're still raising them, you're, you're, in, you're getting in practice. You know, don't worry, this is going to keep happening. I think in some homes, this is like the 11th commandment. You know, the first 10 are there, but you know, then the 11th is, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. Um, and, and of course, when a parent says it, they do just like I did. You know, the, the, you know, you drop an octave and the volume goes loud, thou shalt clean your room. And of course, our kids respond to that command with immediate obedience, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, my kids didn't either, sorry. Let's see, Ryan ran out before he got to that part of the sermon. <laughs> uh, no, um, you know, and I was that way when I was a kid. You know, clean room, why do I want to do that? I came up with lots of excuses or why I didn't have to or why I didn't want to clean my room. Then, as parents, of course, what do we do? We start trying to use logic. I don't know why we try to use logic, but we try to use logic on our kids. And we'll, we'll do things like, well, you know, you shall clean your room because of health. You know, you, you need, you know, if your room's dirty, it's unhealthy. Chris, that doesn't work either. And then we try reverse psychology. Go ahead, live in that filth, see if I care. And they say, thanks, okay. <laughs> or, or we'll try shame. Oh, what will your friends feel like if they drop over here and your room is such a mess? And they're going, well, my kids, my friends' rooms are even more messier than mine, you know, so who cares? You know, it doesn't work, you know. Uh, how about, you know, sometimes we, we, we appeal to greed, too, don't we, parents? If you'll clean your room, um, I will, I forgot greed, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, if, if you'll clean your room, I'll take you out and get you a Dairy Queen blizzard, you know. Of course, what's the problem with that? It's expensive. <laughs> and it's really teaching the wrong lesson. Uh, of course, then we go to fear. You know, that's the old standby, right? Fear. If you don't clean that room, I'm going to... You know. Amazingly, what happens? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. The room remains a mess. You know, the best reason of all is that one that's largest there. Love. And you're kind of going, what? What does this have to do? Well, see, I'm being kind of sneaky. I'm using this illustration of our kids keeping their room clean to kind of lead us into the fact that Love is really the only thing that's going to help. And by the way, not love in that guilt kind of way. You know, if you love me, you clean your room. Okay, that, that doesn't work either. I'm using love in a different way. Love more in that sense of an appreciation for the love that is being given to them. That's something that children learn slowly. <laughs> um, but, Lord willing, they, they get there. But folks... We all have a room, too, spiritually speaking. And our Lord has said to us, you need to clean your room up. And what have we done? We've made excuses. We've tried to shuffle it off to this, shuffle it off to that. And if we were honest with ourselves, we're just as childish sometimes in our spiritual housekeeping as our kids are in their room housekeeping. John, the 14th chapter, 
Jesus says, if you love me, you will do the things I command. So if we love the Lord, we should want to do what he's asked us to do. It's a matter of appreciation for all that the Lord has done for us. How do we show that we love the Lord? We show the lo- we love the Lord by obeying his commands. We don't need reasons to obey his commands. We don't have to sit back and say, oh, your life will be happier, more prosperous. Some of the things that we try to tempt people with just like we do our kids. We don't have to guilt them into it. We just have to let them know the love of the Lord. And I, and I fear that we've really overlooked this aspect of the Christian life. Uh, oh, we talk about love. But do we really put it first in our lives? Beginning uh, April 29th and ending uh, the end of June, we're going to be working through a study about the importance of love. It will parallel a book written by uh, Don McLaughlin, who is the minister of the North Atlanta Church of Christ. And the book is called Love First. My sermons during this time are going to expand upon the ideas that Don lays out in the book. Then on Wednesdays, we're going to be watching a DVD where Don himself works through the contents of his book. And then we'll take time to discuss the video after, afterward. 15-minute video, about a half an hour discussion, uh, and have that opportunity to work through it. By the way, if you are interested in the book itself, we have about four copies uh, that we have uh, available. Uh, they're 10 bucks a piece. Uh, if uh, they run out, you can easily order them on Amazon. And uh, if you order them now, you'd easily be able to get them uh, by the time we start the study. Uh, and by the way, the, the study will start um, that uh, a week from Wednesday. Uh, on the Wednesday night study. So I uh, hope that you can you know, be a part of this because love is pivotal. Love, agape love, by the way, not, you know, I love you kind of love. You know, agape love, that, that noble, selfless love, the love of God, um, and the, the love that is used in the Bible to describe God. That is to be the hallmark of a disciple. If you are my disciple... Um, you will love your brother and your sister. How will the world know that you're my disciple? By the love that you have for one another. This is something that's so important. Today, I want to introduce this topic to us. And then we will expand upon it as we move on through the series. The passage which was just read, 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verses 4 through 8 in particular, is one of the favorite passages read at weddings. Most everybody has had that passage read at a wedding. What's not understood is that the love spoken of in this passage is not romantic love. Although, if more marriages were based on agape love, they'd probably be more successful. This is agape love. The Greek word which carries the meaning of a highly sophisticated, selfless affection that goes above and beyond the limited scope of the emotional feelings we might have for one another. Indeed, the truth be told, uh, we would do better in life if we had that kind of love for one another, for all the people in our lives. Agape is demonstrated by God in many ways. But of course, we know the most significant is why we gathered around the table this morning. To remember His sacrifice for our sins. 
that was all motivated by agape, by the love of God. Paul tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for our sins. The Apostle John describes the character of God with the statement, simply, God is love. God is agape. Not the mushy, immature, romantic love, but the mature love that sees beyond self-fulfillment to a greater, more noble purpose. Self-sacrificing love. Love is seen as the pinnacle of the seven classic virtues. And without love, all the others really would be a sham. Stephen Shoemaker paints a good picture of what each of the six virtues would look like without love. Uh, the first virtue, wisdom. Wisdom without love is tedious and self-serving sophistry. It is cleverness in the pursuit of any ends. A cleverness without conscience. It is a dangerous technocracy. The theologian Paul Tillich is right when he warned that we should distrust every claim for truth where we do not see truth united with love. How about justice? Justice without love is at best the balance of power and at worst vindictive retribution. Reinhold Niebuhr wrote, any justice which is only justice soon denigrates into something less than justice. It must be saved by something which is more than justice. Without love, even justice can't hold together. How about temperance? Without love, temperance turns into a grimmed-faced asceticism, a loveless renunciation of this world's gifts into a manic uh, athleticism, uh, a self-help regimen of diet and exercise. And love of God and neighbor go wanting. What about faith and love? Paul put it well when he wrote of faith, hope, and love that the greatest of these is what? Love. Love is the meaning and end of all virtue and the antithesis of all sin. You know, I struggled as I put this message together to, to present this concept of agape love in the best way I could. And it's hard to do in a concise time. That's why we're going to do a whole series on this. Um, but I thought, how can I do this? How can I bring this out in this introductory sermon so that we can really get the impact of how important love is to us as Christians? Not as a kind of an add-on to the things we do for the Lord, but as the first thing that we do for the Lord. As a matter of first importance. And so it struck me, how can I do better than the Bible itself? I can't. I can't. So today I'm going to, for the rest of the sermon, I'm going to be reading through selective passages from the New Testament that talk about love, specifically God's love, and how we are to imitate His love. So as I'm reading through it, uh, it'll be displayed uh, up on the screen. Listen, follow along, and... Let the impact of what God's inspired scripture has to say about agape love and how important it is for us as Christians. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3, 16. 
A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. John 13, 34-35 If you love me, keep my commands. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me excuse me, will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and, will, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. John, 15, John 14, 15, 21, 22, 3, 24. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be made in my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you Excuse me, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to follow it over here. Uh, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. John 13, 9-17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed sheep. John 21, 15 and 57. Anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates his brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them that makes them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or a sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. 1 John 2, 9-11 
through 11. See what great love the Father has for has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Anyone who does not love their brother or sister. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life. Because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for our brothers and sisters. Anyone if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. 1 John 3, 10 through 18. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the whole world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, He lives in Him. He lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. In God. This is how love is made complete. Among us, so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God 
must also love their brother and sister. 1 John 4, 7-21. Finally, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that the love of the children of God. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God. To keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Why should we clean up our messy rooms, spiritually speaking? Why should we clean up our spiritual house so that we can have more riches here in this world? so that we can be healthy, so that we can have good relationships? No. We do it because He loved us first. And He gave everything up so that we could have joy in Him. So that we could know Him as our God. So that we could be saved by His righteousness. Because quite frankly, Just like our kids have a hard time cleaning up their rooms, we have a hard time keeping our spiritual house. We struggle with it. Hopefully as we move along in our spiritual walk, we mature and it gets a little easier, but there's always a struggle there. So we do it because God loves us. We strive to keep our house in order. We strive to make it better and better because God loved us when we were still sinners. You know, Paul's comment there is is one that I think we should let settle in. Uh, Not while we were still sinners, while we were enemies. He died for us. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he cares for us. So much that he would give his only begotten son. You know, if you've not experienced the love of God in Christ, I encourage you to think about it. I encourage you to investigate it. I encourage you to interview some of the people sitting around you. Christians, aren't we supposed to be ready to give an account for the hope that's in us? You should be able to go to anyone here today, anyone who bears the name of Christ, and ask them, what is this? What is it about Christ? What is it about God's love in Christ that is so wonderful? They're going to be able to answer you. If you are looking for a love that is not conditioned upon your ability to do something for someone, then coming to God is the place you need to come to. That's the place you need to go to and find that love. You can't earn it because it is so costly. You can't figure it out because there's there's just... It's just hard to figure out. There's a mystery. And why did God send his son for me? The mess up that I can be in my life so often. Why did he send him? Because he loved me. It's that mystery of love that is is hard to figure out. But it's that mystery that draws me into God through Jesus and makes me want to follow his command so that I can understand it more and more. 
And I want to encourage you today to come to Christ. Join a family whose defining characteristic, and yes, also its greatest challenge, is that we love one another. You're not going to find any better out in the world. But what you're going to find here is a group of people, as faulty as we are, who have found in Christ a love that will not let us down. A love that will support us through anything. A love that is never ending. And a love that will carry us through to that room in our Father's house. That day when He comes back to judge us Are you ready for that day? How can you be in Christ and standing in Him? You do that through faith. Faith that is worked out through obedience. Can't earn it. It's not anything that you can do, but you can step into that grace by being obedient to God. He sent His Son to be our Savior. Believe that. Believe that He is the Son of God. That He died on the cross. That He was buried and raised on the third day. And having believed that, commit yourself to follow Him. Make Him the Lord of your life. Following Him each day from then on. But there's something that we need to back up to. Because Jesus said, if you're going to be a follower of mine, you need to die to yourself. You need to be buried with me and raised to newness of life. And that's what baptism is all about. You're submerged in the waters of baptism, buried with Christ. The old man of sin stays buried, but that new man is raised to eternal life. And then we live for him him each day. Matter of fact, Jesus uses the description of we die to ourselves each day. We carry that cross each day to remind ourselves we have died. And we live not by our own power, not by our own intellect, by our own cleverness, by our own wisdom, our own effort. But we live by the power of our resurrected Lord. We live cleansed of sin as we walk in the light as He is in the light. We live in that power of the Spirit that has been given to us as a companion as we walk through all the struggles and trials and joys and victories of this life. It's all better in Christ because He loves us so. And it's better when we begin to learn that love. That love that isn't dependent upon somebody else reciprocating, but that love that finds joy and fulfillment in the, just in the act of doing what is right for everyone. I encourage you to join that rededicate your life to follow that more closely if you're struggling with that. Whatever you need, the invitation is yours as we stand and as we sing.